Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor, and leader of the Span Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. Hello, hello. Yes, it is I, DJ Payne, and this is episode 15 of the Thrive Deeper podcast. Now, in the last few episodes of Thrive Deeper, uh, Matthew Jacoby and myself have been powering on through the uh, letters from Paul, these wonderful letters from Paul. We've looked at Ephesians, we've looked at Philippians, and on this episode, we begin into Colossians. Uh, so, so Matthew and I will give you the history, uh, the background behind Paul and this church, where Paul's writing it from, what that church is all about. And uh, not only that, we get into some of the messages that can that can really empower us today as we go through this very, very important book. Uh, and now as we begin, of course, Matt and I are discussing uh, what's going on in our day, and uh, you'll find out the very important appointment that Matthew had straight after we finished this recording. All right, after the break, we'll get into it on another episode of Thrive Deeper. Going for a haircut. <laughs> the uh, you, you sure you, you know I give haircuts. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I heard that. Yeah, I've seen that actually. Yeah, on, on your your sons. Yeah, fantastic yeah. haircuts. Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> you don't sound convinced. Yeah, I'll yeah, I'll let you know <laughs> if I need your services. Uh, well, okay. Uh, well, we have uh, we are powering through. Um, these wonderful letters uh, from Paul to the mm. to the churches, as we read through Thrive, uh, we've looked at um, you know the wonderful book of Ephesians, mm-hmm. uh, which is just you know has been fantastic. We've we've flown through uh, Philippians, mm-hmm. and now we're about to launch into Colossians. Mm. Now, as as we want to do, give us a little bit of a background about. The area and the church that was there that Paul was writing to, and also Paul's, you know, Paul's predicament as he was writing this letter. Mm. Well, Colossae, it wasn't a, a major center, not like uh, Ephesus. Mm. Um, so, and, and actually, as far as we know, Paul never went there. Mm. Um, so he, he didn't. Uh, Paul actually didn't plant the church in Colossae. Uh, it was uh, an interesting story to that because, as you know, Colossae is not far from uh, Ephesus. It's, yes. in, it's, um, it's nearby. And we told the story in a previous episode of how Paul was in Ephesus for three years and he held these l- large-scale meetings, like your classic. Mm. It was like the Billy Graham Crusades yep. in, 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 in Ephesus in this lecture hall and – how many, many people came from all over the place. Many people came to faith uh, through through that time. It was a very fruitful time, actually, uh, in in uh, in Paul's ministry. Now, uh, one of those who came was a man called Epaphras, and um, uh, Epaphras was came to Christ uh, through the ministry of Paul in Ephesus. Mm. Uh, Perhaps came for other reasons. We, you know, we don't probably. Um, I, I would guess it probably came for other reasons mm. to uh, Ephesus. Maybe even to worship uh, uh, at at the, the the local shrine there in Ephesus um, to, to worship Artemis. Um, but he encounters Paul. Here's the gospel. Becomes a Christian. Mm. He goes back. He's from Colossae. Which is not that far away. Which is not that far away. He goes back to Colossae, and he actually is the one that plants the church there, this mm. this guy, uh, Epaphras. Now, uh, as time goes on, um, it, it always amazes me that these churches, uh, that they ever survived. It wasn't like it was friendly circumstances for these sorts of things uh, always. But they, um, uh, you know, um, evidently, you know, by by the grace of God, Epaphras goes back and starts a church. I mean, uh, it's pretty amazing. Mm. Um, and after some time, and and you know, 
this is uh, probably uh, 10 or so years later that Paul's writing this letter. This is uh, probably during his imprisonment in Rome that he writes this letter to the Ephesians. Mm. What seems to have happened is that there are some difficulties going on in, in the church, and there always comes to that point. You know, the church goes well, and then and then the the, the wolves come in, yes. you know, to devour the sheep, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, and this seems to have happened. Uh, we're not exactly sure what the exact nature of the um, of the problem was. It, 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 it we, we know it had something to do with some form of fal- false teaching mm. and influence that was coming in. Um, I think one of the one of the most popular suggestions is that there was a kind of Jewish mysticism that perhaps was quite strong in the area that um, that started to impact this this church. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a Jewish mysticism pr- that possibly incorporated angels as mediators and had this complex system of angels. And um, uh, <clears throat> look, we don't know exactly, but that I think that's quite a good suggestion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever was going on there. Uh, Epaphras feels that he needs to go to Paul and actually get his uh, – um, bring his authority to bear, yeah. actually, to speak to these problems. So Epaphras goes to Rome. Now, it's interesting that Paul uh, refers in, in Philemon, uh, I think it is, he refers to Epaphras as his fellow, as his fellow prisoner. Mm. So somehow – Epaphras, you know, gets imprisoned yeah. as well with Alongside. Paul. Yeah. So um, actually, um, uh, you know, he, he reports all this to Paul, but he then can't go himself uh, so that Paul actually then sends uh, someone else uh, with this letter, uh, Tychicus, uh, to do, you know, to do this job, to deliver, to travel back to Colossae mm. with the letter. So um, – uh, yeah, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting little situation. So he writes this letter, he sends it back with Tychicus, and and what we have uh, in in our New Testament, the letter to the Colossians, is, mm. is this letter to this congregation, to this situation. But I think it's, uh, I think it's important to note that all of these letters are written in such a way that they that they always have general application to any time. Mm. All of the things that Paul says, they're, they're not so specific to that time that we can't apply it to our day. I mean, Paul is doing things in a way so that they can hold on to this letter and that can be, they can be equipped with that for generations. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Paul understands that these things that he's writing down are going to have that kind of significance. So he's writing to these people, but in another sense, he's writing to everyone everywhere. Um, So it's important to understand, you know, it's, it's interesting and important to think about the original context, but it certainly does. Uh, th- these letters do transcend that original context yeah. as well. It's not limited by. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the yeah. part of the gift yeah, of the Spirit right. of yeah. God. Exactly. You know, giving us these letters. Yeah. The, you know, the very words of words of God here. That yeah, yeah. they are for all the church. And and I actually I actually love the fact that we haven't just been given abstract dissertations, <laughs> but. Letters written to real people, real movements when things were really happening because the, the, the difference between the Christian movement and philosophical movements of the time, and there were plenty of philosophical movements. Mm. And by the way, you know, philosophers had disciples. They were like religious leaders of this time. Mm. Uh, you know, the great Stoics um, like Zeno and, and, and others and, and, and philosophers like um, Protagoras and, uh, and others, they, they had uh, disciples and they were like, Kind of quasi religious leaders, yep. and the difference between Paul and those other uh, philosophers is that Paul was part of a movement where something actually happened. <laughs> you know, the the, the philosophical movements um, they thought a lot about stuff, they talked a lot about stuff, but nothing ever really happened. Mm. They never really created a movement. I mean, there was disciples gathered around one teacher. But it never really had, you know, it never really had great impact. Never created a movement, um, and and the difference with with the Christian movement at this time is that it began with something actually happening. That is the resurrection of Christ. So they were declaring not just abstract truths about God, a God who was out there somewhere. Mm. No, they were saying God has come to us in Jesus Christ, and 
this has been vindicated by the fact that he was raised from the dead, mm. you know, witnessed by 500 people. Um, and, uh, and so that they are a movement where not only it's based on something that has happened, but they're also based on something that is happening. So, of course, Paul, when he was in Ephesus, you know, we, we have accounts of all of these amazing miracles Miracles, that were happening. So lives are being transformed. People are being healed. Things are happening. This is, this is the difference, Mm. uh, with this. And so, um, I love the fact that these letters are rooted in the midst of all of that happening. Mm. You know, Mm. it's to remind us that these aren't just abstract philosophical treaties, treatises. These are, uh, Letters that come out of real events, yeah. real people when God was doing real things, and this is the fruit of it, and yeah. it's given to us uh, to bring about those same kinds of events yes. in our time as well. Yeah, it's not it's not a um, it's not a pristine book on theology on the shelf yeah, on, right. on the top library yeah. shelf. This is a torn, yeah. coffee stained document that yeah. is that has been fingerprints and smudges yeah, yeah. It's, all over it. It's like you know, to put it this way, it's like the fruit, these letters are the fruit of a movement, of amazing thing that God was doing. Mm. And the fruit, as it were, is handed to us to so that we can replant it mm. in our in our time and see uh, but from the seeds of that fruit, mm. uh, as we plant these these things in our own lives, the assurance I believe we're given, if, if we plant these same principles and these same teachings in our lives and in our churches, then we will see the same movement uh, uh, unfolding in our time as well. Totally, totally. Okay, so uh, now we actually get into the actual book itself. We know yep. the circumstances. Sure. Paul's writing this out of prison with the poor leader of the church next to him having told him. Now, we obviously know because there's an ongoing theme that Paul hits on again and again and again through the book. He's, he's combating false teaching yeah. and false philosophy. Yeah, You see that time and time again. He's, he keeps saying, yeah. now, now don't worry about this teaching. And some may say this and... Because of this, because, mm. you know, he's 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 laying down, yeah. you know, the the other reason for it, which know? which is an important point. I think the fact that he takes this so seriously, um, because it is a serious thing. Mm. Um, it, it's it's a serious thing when we water the truth down, or, or we 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 change it. Now, the truth can be translated into different. Uh, um, idioms and different um, ways of explaining it. You know, it always needs to be translated. Um, but the actual body of truth itself is is this unchanging, uh, unchanging thing. Its application is, you know, d- develops through, you know, throughout history. You know, but Paul is adamant that they not that that the truth that he laid down at the church is is uh, is founded on the simple truths of. Who God is, who Christ is, uh, what what God is doing in Christ, and how He does that, mm. and what the future holds. The, these these general truths um, that this that they, that they not mess with this. That this doesn't get changed or distorted, because when this gets changed and distorted, it opens the door for all sorts of other practical issues, yeah. and it really waylays the whole church movement. Mm. Um, and I think he recognizes that there was always pressure to change it because, as he says in Corinthians, you know, the, the gospel is foolishness to, is foolishness to the Greeks and, and, and an offense to the Jews. And so there was always this, this, this pressure to want to change the message into something that perhaps has more intellectual credibility mm. or that it's is more less offensive, yeah. more, more palatable and, and and I think down through history you see repeated attempts to do just that. You know, we're gonna we're gonna come up with a palatable form of of the gospel that you know, for, for example, is is just a, a key to wealth, health, and prosperity, mm. uh, or or that that we're gonna change it so that it's uh, whatever you know, uh, so that it gives me an excuse to feel like I've ticked the boxes and. Mm. You know, to let me just get on with my life as I want. So, so there are lots of different distortions of it that, uh, I guess, uh, end up, um, allowing for 
complete diversions mm, mm. Um, that that waylay the movement, and we see that through history. Mm. Um, where the church has gone off track, it's inevitably been because they have um, well, well, they had to change the truth. You know, they had to twist the truth somehow to allow for those diversions. Yeah. Uh, so this is a Paul knows this. This is it's really important that that at, particularly at this stage of infancy in the church that they understand. Uh, the fundamentals of the faith and that it not be changed. And it's the same for us today. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, very important back then, equally as important to us now. And I love the fact that he cut, he cuts straight to the chase as, as, as Paul, you know, we can see Paul the poet again, this beautiful writer in chapter one. He, he gives his thanks. He tells about the circumstances and then boom, he's like, right, here is the, the foundation mm. of truth I'm going to be teaching about the rest of this letter about. And in chapter one, he gives that amazing poem, this amazing, uh, you know, work of, work of art about talking about the, the supremacy of Christ. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, in, in that starting in verse 15, where he's talking about Christ as the visible image yeah. of the invisible God, yeah, that's you know, right. bang, bringing it in about what well, he is yeah. the creator. This is, you know, this is who we're talking about. Uh, he is over everything, you know, all these different things. Yeah. And then the rest of the is bringing out the practical applications of that in yeah. fighting against yeah, wrong right. teaching yeah. and wrong philosophy entering yeah. into the church. That was obviously making a headway into yeah. the church, the reason why their leader had come to Paul. Yeah, that's right. Um, it, it's, it's great the way that he, he addresses that. Um, it's, it's the principle of if everything is in the right order, Let's put everything in the right order. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Augustine described evil as the disordering of God's hierarchy of goods because he recognizes – Augustine wanted us to recognize that nothing that God creates is inherently evil. Mm. So where did evil come from? E- evil is basically the disordering uh, of of God's hierarchy of goods. So all things were created good, but when we put when we put – when we demote things that should be supreme and we make things supreme that are not supreme, mm. then we, we have a problem. So, so, you know, perhaps in this case, you know, they, they, you know, they were paying homage to angels or, or other. And, and he's, he's wanting to say, he's wanting to, first of all, there's a lot there to correct. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he begins with getting things in the right order. Mm. Okay. Let's put, Christ as supreme right now. Let's get that right. And when we get that right, uh, because, and the importance of that is because in Christ we see who God is. In Christ we see the extent of what God has done. And the implications of that are manifold. And so that he uses that starting point to deal with all of this confusion mm. um, by exalting Christ to that place. So, you know, he's, ba- and, and so once Christ is in, the, in, in that place, as the only mediator, the 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 the, the one uh, savior, and so forth, um, then there's no need for all of these other things. Mm. Uh, so this is why he argues this point because it's there's this tendency to, that we have to to um, make things more complex. Actually, the biblical message is very simple. It's people that make it complex. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, interesting. Uh, uh, conversation, you know, with my son who's at, who's at, uh, you know, Catholic school learning about all the saints and all of it, you know, oh, it's so complicated. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, um, and so being able to explain to him, uh, well, actually, we would see that a little differently. We, we, because of who Jesus is, all of that, we, all of that stuff, we don't need these other mediators and these, all of this, uh, complexity. Um, it, it this is a similar thing to what Paul uh, is doing here. He's working against this tendency of people to always make things more complex mm. than they need to be. Mm. All of these hoops that I need to jump through. Uh, no, it's it's actually really simple. It's 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 Christ as supreme. It's a relationship of faith through Jesus Christ with God. I mean, uh, he's bringing them back to that simple fundamental basis.
Colossians, uh, as we keep reading here, I, I keep picking up, and Matt, you can t- you can talk about this. Paul, Paul is obviously answering questions about these false teachers and about these you know philosophies coming into the church. One point that I that reading through it again this time jumped out to me is how much he talks about physical bodies. He talks about matter. He talks about you know Christ is an actual incarnation. He, he makes a point of saying that the death of Christ was in Christ's physical body. He talks about our suffering being in our physical mm. bodies. He's, he's, this is not, he doesn't sort of use this language in other books. Is, is part of him using this language and coming back to these points, is that part of the argument that he was having with these other false teachers? Um, possibly. Um, a lot of the, a lot of, people acknowledge that there's probably a few different things going on here in the background. Yeah. He's probably dealing with a, with a few things. One of the things there may be, uh, part, this, this mysticism, Jewish mysticism, may well have involved some form of Greek influence as well. Seems to be a mixture of things going on here. And uh, which, which, if you look at where what was happening in the day... Yeah. In Rome and where this church was, yeah. there was all these cultural That's influences right. coming into the church. That's right. I mean, you're in the midst in Colossae. You're in the midst of the old Greek, yes, uh, the old Greek Empire, and so, um, and and of course, you're within the Roman Empire, within which really in, inherited the Greek philosophical uh, tradition, mm. and uh, you know, within that, the, the one of the most common forms of that really downplayed. Uh, the value of physical reality mm. um, that this, this initially came from Plato, who felt that um, what is ultimately perfect is non-physical. If, if it's physical, it can't be perfect. So, for example, we can talk about a perfect circle and conceptualize a perfect circle, but as soon as you try to draw something, it's never going to be a completely. It's impossible to create physically a perfect circle. Okay. So, so Plato uh, felt that. Well, therefore, um, uh, physical things only partake in 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 these what what he referred to as forms. I'm getting into philosophy now. No, this is I good. Said a, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> this came out of lectures last night, so I'm in this in this uh, zone. Um, so. Um, so th- there was a down. So th- the idea is is that as soon as something becomes physical, it it becomes corrupt, mm. according to Plato. Yeah. Um, so the the ultimate uh, the ultimate goal actually for Plato is disembodiment, complete disembodiment. Mm. Um, and this is this has actually had some influence actually because a lot of people actually think that the ultimate destination heaven means floating around the clouds in a disembodied state mm. um when actually the ultimate destination uh, and certainly we do go be with, go to be with the lord in in a spiritual sense but ultimately we we're looking forward to the day of the resurrection yeah when we'll be raised up physically mm. um to uh, in 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 a new heavens and the new earth in, in a new earth. So to live in a physical renewed earth in in uh, physical but glorified bodies. So this physicality actually, which is a very important part of the Jewish tradition, contrasted with the Greek tradition, mm-hmm. and um, Paul in, is reminding them constantly that uh, Christ. That the Word became flesh, as yeah. as John says, that Christ uh, came and and dwelt among us bodily. That mm. that that God, uh, that the fullness of the deity dwells bodily with us, which is like this stamp of approval on physicality. Mm. You know, He's not rejecting physicality mm. because the rejection of physicality had all sorts of other implications, of course, and that's not actually that wasn't part of the message mm. because. Um, the, the message that Paul was bringing is that God is going to redeem the physical world, but not annihilate the physical world. Uh, that there's a big difference. Um, so, uh, so he emphasizes the fact that, you know, God has chosen to become embodied in Christ, mm. as it were, which was quite, um, this is actually why he says in Corinthians that the gospel is foolishness. To the Greeks, mm. because that idea is is a complete contradiction. That the pure, 
uh, and and for the, the in fact the Stoics, which are the most prominent school of sort of Platonic Neoplatonic philosophy of the time, I, I should say Middle Platonic philosophy of the time, they they um, uh, s- referred to God as the Logos, mm. you know. Um, uh, this sort of principle of, of reason in all things, and 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 so you, so the the idea that the logos would become flesh is is, is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous to them because it naturally that means imperfection. But no, no, actually, Paul says no. It doesn't. It doesn't mean imperfection. Yeah. Um, it, this is this is God expressing His desire to redeem the physical world. Mm. And it has a lot of as as Paul lays out, especially in chapter two, it has a lot of implications. Yes. Yeah. What you actually believe in this false teaching creeping back in, you know, or not creeping back in, but creeping into the church yeah. about what Christ actually is and this, the body and the fleshy parts of the faith. Yeah. It sort of has an implications of how we live today. Absolutely. It's cer- certainly actually in, in the first, uh, in the first centuries of, of the Christian church, it certainly did. And particularly Stoicism, um, which, as I've said, was the most prominent form of sort of Platonic philosophy. It was a bit of a blend, actually. Um, mm. It was a blend of sort of Platonic philosophy and Aristotelian philosophy. But it was Platonic in the sense that there was this withdrawal from all physicality. Uh, you know, the Stoic lifestyle is yeah. just the lifestyle. It's the life of the mind, and and this rejection of of all sensual of sensual pleasures. And well, not not a rejection of it. Just that they taught a uh, you've just got to be indifferent to it. It's, it's, it has no inherent value. And, and that sort of idea, I think, fed into the, that sort of ultra strict kind of monasticism where, where you give up everything and you, and you reject all forms of pleasure. And, um, when actually that's not really part of, of, of the biblical faith, we don't reject all physical pleasure, and mm. and no, no, we reframe frame our lives in in, in such a way that uh, the the good things of life are understood as the gifts of God, and um, and those things in our lives can be redeemed for God, as it were. And this is what you see uh, th- this idea that Paul is teaching about God redeeming the physical world by mm. Himself becoming uh, physical. Mm, it, totally, and the uh, and I love I love Paul's train of thought. He's like a one way. He's like a you know he's on the one track all the time with yeah. it, with his teaching. And I love the fact that he brings what at first like to me as as if I had to answer the questions that Paul was uh, Paul was you know being asked, I wouldn't go down the way that he thinks. My mind doesn't work yeah. that way. But I love the way his mind works and the way that God has revealed Himself to him that we see is that he he brings up these philosophical questions about. Um, you know, about this physical nature of reality and everything like that. And he links it back to the same thing that he's always fighting against mm. is this, this human desire for religion or rule keeping. You know, yeah. he's, he, he ties it back to people who are telling them to keep certain rules and, and everything. And I love the end of, cha- the end of chapter two, where he, he brings it all back in the last few verses that he says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says, you've died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, yeah. don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. They appeal to that religious nature, yeah, yeah. but they provide no help. In Now Paul puts his finger in, in conquering a person's evil desires, like he puts his finger yeah, right exactly. there. and says, this is actually not doing anything that yeah. it needs to be done. It's such, a, it's such a great point because you can't um, – you can't get – you can't change just by suppressing the desires that, that you have. Like they yeah. need to be redeemed. Our desires need to be completely uh, redeemed. Yeah. Um, and, and there was this approach that he's speaking to. As I've said, I mean, Stoicism was a big one for this. And there were, there were more – I mean, Stoicism drew out of a more extreme movement called Cynicism, where, which was uh, – and, and actually we get the word the cynic. You know, we yeah. use the word cynic. Uh, cynicism was a complete rejection of all, um, of all c- civil institutions, civil customs. Uh, it was a complete rejection of, of all, uh, you know, it was just like live according to nature, like live like the, live like the dogs in, in the street and the, and so it was like, 
uh, reject all pleasures. Mm. And, and there were these movements around, these really strict movements, and there are religious movements. Uh, there was this religious aspect to that as well. So Paul seems to be dealing with something like, like this. And, and again, as I said, we're not exactly sure, but clearly he's dealing with this situation of a rejection of physicality and pleasure mm. and, 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 and these people trying to become godly by repressing and suppressing all of that. Mm. And, uh, the, the, the point is, is that you actually don't change by just trying to repress your desires. Uh, what we actually need is a new heart. We need a new heart. Mm. Uh, that, and, and this is what we gain by the Holy Spirit coming into our heart, who, who then renews us inwardly by this process of, of complete revolution in our hearts mm. that, that is this ongoing thing. Mm. Um, that changes us from the inside out, you know, mm-hmm. and this is, this is what he wants to point us to. Not just, it's not just, uh, religious rules that, that, that actually doesn't change us in, inwardly. Um, so, uh, so he, he's advocating a, a complete revolution in the way that not a rejection of the, of these pleasures, but a complete revolution in the way that we see see them and, mm. and, and access them. Mm. Yeah, and I love the way, again, with Paul describes all of that process that you just said. He talks about the rules that these people mm. are wanting to set up, and he's like, no, no, all these rules are just a shadow of what Christ did. Yeah, yeah. Christ is the fulfillment of those rules. Don't try to relive yeah. the rules that Christ has already done. Let's sit in him. Let's be in him. Let him be in us. You know, that type of attitude. Yeah, so, so – so th- I mean, the tendency was to want to follow all of those rules because when we follow those rules, then we will be spiritual enough for God. Mm. And yeah, you're right. He's saying, no, no, Christ has already given you that position, right? You, you are, he's already uh, given you that status. Mm. Now just let your heart be transformed. You know, mm. you know, cooperate with, with the Holy Spirit. Let your heart be transformed. And that changes everything. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it is a constant theme, isn't it? Actually, in the letters, he's constantly trying to, he's constantly lifting off these onerous religious ob- obligations yeah. of people, and they just keep, they seem to keep coming back, don't and they? Throughout history, they, yeah. they keep coming they keep, back. They keep coming back. They change shape. They have a new, new, you know, new, yeah. uh, a new painting on yeah. it. You know, like there's a new color. Yeah. There's a new this, but always it keeps coming back to the one thing. All right, one question to sort of wrap up, um, you know, this week's episode, and, and, and next week we'll, we'll, we'll finish off. Uh, Colossians there. Um, in fact, a couple of questions. First off, before we wrap up in Colossians, I wanted to, I wanted to throw this out there, Matt. We, we ask people, uh, for, for questions every week and we love people writing in and, and uh, asking questions about it. Is there, this is going to sound silly and I haven't, I haven't given you any pre-warning here. Is there, you know, what type of questions do you love people, you know, you know, sending to us? What, what, is there a particular type of question than another that you go, oh, this is a good one. This is, you know, I, I, I can get my teeth sunk, sunk into this one. Uh, I, the, the ones I like the most are the most honest ones, like w- where it's that reaction of, oh, that seems ridiculous. Like, what, like, why would God do that? Cause I think sometimes we're, 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 we're afraid to maybe express that. Whereas I would encourage you actually ask those questions. Yeah. Um, I, I I, I love those because uh, you won't be the only one thinking those things. Great, and and so so send in those those hard questions uh, about parts of the Bible that that you struggle with that you think this doesn't seem right or I, I don't why would this be the case or this doesn't seem fair or yeah. or how could God do that and yeah. and still be whatever G- go to town on those questions. Yeah, uh, love those because. Uh, it, they actually, some of those questions actually help us to really get into the, the, the real roots of things, actually. So, and, love and, it. and it's sometimes the, the passages that we're reading that we might gloss over. Yeah. Especially with Paul. Paul's wanting you to ask those questions. Yeah, Paul's yeah. wanting you to have yeah. that reaction. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think we need to feel that we can read the Bible and, and, um, not, we shouldn't feel like we have to just accept without question everything that we read. Mm. Now, of course, we understand that uh, and we believe as a matter of faith that this is, this is God's word and, and we receive this as authoritative. Mm. Okay. Mm. But that, 
that doesn't mean that we 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 can't question. We yeah. can't ask the questions. Yeah. Um, because that's part of a relationship. That's right. It's part it's of it. So yeah. ask the questions. Like question. And, and I, I I love this process with with my kids. You know, when I read to my kids and 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 they're so honest. That's that's not fair. How can that? I don't. That God's not being very good there. You know that. And and so to go through and 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 explain those things and. Uh, Help them to understand that, or help them to understand that they ca- that we could never understand that, or whatever. It's it actually opens up some wonderful wonderful conversation to do that. So awesome. go 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 for it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, harness that inner yeah. that that inner ten year old. That's right, and become so yeah. honest and ask ask those yeah. questions. There's no there's no wrong yeah. question there. Okay, so as we wrap up Colossians, Matt, there's a there's a principle here that uh, that I. Um, that I love about the Apostle Paul, and it's something that might get argue, argued yeah. about for us today, living in the in the in the age that we're living in, is that Paul has no problem. He doesn't he doesn't use names, but he has no problem here, especially in chapter two, of naming the false teaching yeah. that is happening yeah. and just smashing it down yeah. and going, "You've been taught this, boom, not right." Bang, this is not right. This is an empty philosophy. He goes as far as to say that the t- people who are teaching you are not even connected to Christ. Yeah. Like he really goes hard yeah. about false teachers. Today in the church, we, we you know, and again, we, uh, we're not that we have the same calling mm-hmm. in our life as Paul, mm. but there are two types of thinking about how we respond to what we perceive as false teaching in the church today. Yeah. You know, there might be a popular leader or, or a new book or a new thing that comes out of mm. whatever it is. And sometimes we might be looking at it going, oh, hang on. I don't know if that measures up. And some people will have a reaction of, hey, let's just not say anything. We don't want to rock the boat. This might upset mm. these people over here. Whereas others will say, oh, no, we need to take a stand, brother. And we need to go down yeah. and, and, and rain down terror on them. How do we know what is the right way to fall here? Yeah, there there, there are two. Um, there, there are sort of two extremes here, aren't there? I mean, what one one is to just not feel that we should ever say anything. We just tolerate everything, and and well, that's okay. That's what they believe. Let's just well, uh, you're right in saying that the apostle Paul treated false teaching a whole lot more seriously than that, yeah. and taught. Teaches us to, to do the same. Then, then, Whereas I feel that sometimes if someone comes out today and says, "Hang on, that's false teaching," they name yeah, somebody yeah. and go, "That's false teaching." The church will rise up. Oh, you're sowing you're sowing discord amongst yeah, the brethren yeah, here. Yeah. This is all. This yeah, is divisive. Yeah. So, so um, I, I I think it's fine to call that. I think I think we need to be discerning. We absolutely need to be discerning, and um, and and there is lots of false teaching out there. Um, and we we need to not feel like we we have to be not non critical about those things. I mean, I think we should think critically, um, not not in a critical spirit, but uh, in terms of that we're just out to find error in any everything we can, but discerning. And uh, I think that's very important, actually, um, that we are. On the other hand. Um, uh, look, I, I think the first one is is very common because it, it's particularly a, an aspect of our culture where mm-hmm. you just let's just tolerate anything and and you shouldn't say that anything's anything's really right or wrong or, or you know that that's kind of our, our culture and I think we can buy into that too much when actually uh, you know no we need to call a spade a spade actually yeah. we, we do need to call false teaching false false teaching now the other extreme to that is is those who sort of take it on themselves to be the sort of heresy hunters yeah. you know and just go looking for this and it's like you know they'll sit in a church and the moment you say something a little clumsy or that could be taken in a oh got you you know I've got you know and, and then you jump onto it and 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 I and that I know you you're know. talking about me here Matt no. I know that you <laughs> this is a veil no, no. this is a veil point no no, no 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 <laughs> I'm not talking about you at all actually I, I you, you know, uh, I, I know I joke because, and as as I've alluded to yeah. many times, that's my history. That's my yeah. background. I was yeah. clear, very. I would go to a church to be the heresy hunter and look for the times of of arguing, yeah. all fruitless, 
pointless waste of time. Yeah. You know, the years that I spent in my 20s doing that as an angry young man, uh, I, walking I, in yeah, with the guns I know what blazing. that's like because I, I, I went through that phase as yeah. well. And, you know, particularly as a theological student, you think you know everything and, and, and you just go out with your, with your sort of theological uh, six kind gun. of- y- six, yeah, you know, six shooter, and, and, your and your little Geiger counter. You know, I'm going to, you know, zzz, <laughs> you know, like I'm- I'm I'm just looking and waiting for error, and actually I'm secretly stoked when I find it, you know, because it it's like it gives me a mission, you know, because my mission is to contend for the truth, and oh boy. and 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 it's just it's just the wrong spirit. Like we we actually just just get on with living the Christian life, hmm. and but certainly be prepared to call false teaching false teaching, um, but. Uh, there's almost like this gratuitous fascination that that some people have, or this desire just to continually, uh, you know, to be that to be the heresy hunter and to and to to make that their life mission. So somewhere somewhere in between that, I, I think is this is this place of of, of discernment. That's I'm not going to be consumed by that. I'm not going to focus on false teaching, but but I, I'm willing to call it what it is. Um, I'm also not going to nitpick as well, you know. I mean, honestly, it's like, uh, oh, because this person is a post-millennialist or or a mid-tribulational pre-millennialist, and I'm a post-tribulational pre-millennialist, and he's a heretic, you know. I mean, come on, like seriously, like, let's not nitpick, you know. Within, you know, there th- there is room for different different um, convictions on, on the uh, on the. the you know the outlying areas. I mean, there are the fundamentals of the faith around, you know, who God is and who Christ is and what Christ has done, how that uh, is uh, worked out in our lives and what Christ is going to do in the future. Yeah. These are the fundamentals of the of the faith, and they're clearly taught in Scripture. Yes. Let's not be nitpicking in terms. You know, diff- I mean, we we discussed you know ideas like you know the doctrine of of predestination. There, are, you know, there, there are different. People have debates about their interpretations of it. Doesn't mean then they're not Christians. It, like it, whatever their their in, interpretation is of that, whatever your interpretation is on specific uh, uh, views on the end times, or, or yeah. um, so. Uh, so I think that, that there's that there needs to be a generosity in, in our in in our holding of convictions. Yes. And and yet at the same time that there there are things that, that that are serious. If people mess with those fundamentals, you know, um, if if they they are uh, denying those key things about the person of Christ, mm. uh, if they are denying um, the, the the key truths about justification by grace through faith alone, if they are uh, denying the the centrality of of um, you know of of the uh, of the church in God's plan, if they're denying the second coming of Christ altogether, yes. if, I mean, they, 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 these become serious. And, these become serious and matters, that, and, and that's when you see Paul pull out those, you know, those weapons of of truth. Yeah, yeah that's right. When he sees the false teaching about Christ. Yeah. When he sees someone taking a shot at that, and we've seen examples where people are saying all sorts of things about Paul. Yeah, you know, oh, Paul's in jail because of this, and I'm yeah. the right teacher. Paul says, I don't care. Let them say yeah, whatever yeah. they want about me. I don't yeah. mind. And, and then you've got you know opinions on like like politics, and and you've got you know and, and different and and opinions on 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 science, and and yes. you know uh, ha- and opinions on I mean all sorts of things. Yes. Uh, how we educate our children or whatever yes. it is. We've just got to be generous with one another about that. We we can have difference of opinion. Uh, it's you know we need to create an environment where we. We are unwavering with the fundamentals of the faith, and and we we, we call error error at that point. Yeah. Um, but we're generous. But, when but it we're comes generous to when it comes to those other things, and we listen to each other, and we recognise that within the bounds of the Orthodox Christian faith, yeah. you know, we. There, there are grey areas and there, there's room to move in terms of our convictions. All right, we're going to finish off with this, Matt. I want you to speak to that person now, the former us. Who were the heresy hunters, and and yeah. they're and they're sitting there going, oh, but Matt, but Matt, and but but uh, but I'm, I'm going to say, former me, listen, 
what can we think about? What could, what could, you know, our former selves think about? What can those who had really caught up with heresy hunting or, you know, that finer nitpicking or, or getting onto a hobby horse of, gee, if you don't believe X, Y, Z the same as I believe it, then you are out of here. What can we say to them to say, stop for a moment and, and realize the, the breadth of it all? Um, that's a, that, that, that's a tough, a question because they they may have already switched off. Um, <laughs> let's let's assume that they might. Let's, let's assume that they won't. I mean, this is um, the the nature, the very nature of the Christian faith is is relational. It's about a relationship with God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and and so often. It can be treated like a doctrinal enclosure. Mm-hmm. It's all about thinking the right thoughts. And if I think the right thoughts, then I'm in that enclosure. Actually, it's more like a relational orbit. Um, that those, it, it, that actually, it's so important that our, that our focus is always on the relational elements. First of all, our relationship with God through Christ, then our relationship with other, with other Christians and our, our building of unity with, with those other, with other Christians. Now, I know they'll be quick to say, but we need to be united in the truth. Um, yes, we do in, in, in the fundamentals, in the fundamentals, but, but we are never going to agree on anything, on, on everything. Hmm. We're never going to agree on everything. Um, so, so I think some generosity, uh, is, is needed here. Uh, people aren't going to think and, and see things the way that you are. And in fact, one of the biggest problems with that is that sometimes we can, we can get so locked into our own convictions that we can almost get addicted to being right. In fact, we can end up being in a place where we want to be right more than we want to know the truth. Mm. Where the feeling of being right, where we mistake righteousness for being right about everything, mm. and it's not the same. Mm. Um, right, and you're you're coming right back down here, yeah, Colossians. Yeah, that's right. You know this is this is what Paul is talking about. Yeah, um, this is this is. Um, I had I had this moment actually. Um, a number of years ago, uh, now maybe ten or more years ago, where I started listening to a podcast of a, of a sermon. I won't say from where or who, uh, but I'm just thinking, oh man, this cowboy! Like, what's you know? Like, I just, I it was str- like, I just went to take the, you know, like switched off, d- yeah. you know, and and I sensed, I sensed very clearly, God say to me in, in, in that sense of, you know, God speaks to us with non-verbally f- through pure meaning, you know, mm-hmm. like I sense God say that exact thing, you want to be right more than you want to know the truth. Because mm-hmm. I was so committed to not to, to it's like, oh, that, that that's those, that they're those and, and, and I'm not, and, you know, and it hit me so hard actually. I was actually going for a run at the time. I actually stopped. It hit me so hard. You want to be right more than you want to know the truth. Mm. And I, I and and I put put my earbuds back in. I listened to the message. And you know what? I didn't agree with everything that he said. Mm. I didn't agree with it, with his approach. But there were some things in there that rocked my world mm. that I wouldn't have heard. That actually, actually deep down, I didn't even want to hear. Really. And sometimes, sometimes there are, you know, there are, there are people who, who are going to be on the edge. You know, sometimes we just want to be told what we already know and what, we, you know, just to be confirmed that we're right. I, I would encourage you to move outside of that box, actually, and allow that box to be challenged. Listen to people who disagree with you. Um, let your edges, let your edges be pushed. Um, because I, I found actually that, um, that, that, that can be really important for us, um, actually. And, um, so I, my, my suggestion, not, not only t- to everyone actually, is always be willing to be wrong. 
Always be willing. We're always wrong about something. So if I am committed to defending, if, if my, my knee-jerk reaction every situation is defend, 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 mm. show that I'm right, prove that I'm right, mm. okay, you prove you're right, guess what? You get nothing out of that. Mm. You gain nothing, you don't grow. I mean, the last episode, we, we talked about the fact that living things grow, right? Mm. Well, you're not going to grow by being right all the time. Mm. If you're right, yay, hooray for you, yeah. but you gain nothing. Oh, but if you're wrong, and if you realize that you're wrong, mm. then, you, then you grow. Then you can be changed. Then you grow, mm. you know. And, and so um, try to find, stop trying to find and confirm your rightness. Mm. Actually go searching for where you're wrong. And find that, and when you find it, you'll grow. We are just halfway through the book of Colossians as we read through it together with the Thrive Daily Readings. Hopefully, this conversation between Matt and myself, which got quite personal there at the end, has been helpful to you. Uh, and it's our prayer that if you're listening to this and something is triggering something within you to want to ask further questions, to go deeper, to want to long for that, uh, you know, that deeper spiritual truth, please get in contact with us any way that you can. One way that I want to tell you you can get in contact with us is by heading to our Facebook page. Our Facebook page can be found at facebook.com forward slash thrive today page that's our page where everything to do with thrive is on there thrive today page as you can find that there we would love to have a discussion with you and hear from you so until next week this has been dj Payne for thrive thanks for listening to thrive deeper If you have questions you would like answered, contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thrive Deeper or at the Thrive Today website where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, Thrive.